0: Mana, 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 This is Social Disgusting. Welcome to Social Disgusting, a podcast where my guests and I discuss our lives amidst the wanton hellscape in which we find ourselves. I am Brandon, aka Brandon. Hope you're well. My guest is a returning one, having previously been on episode 80 on October 9th of last year and is a stand-up comedian, actor, podcaster, and Detroit sports fan. His podcast, Radus Luthi, which follows human detective Jonathan De Carbonara and his rat detective partner, Claire Castellet, as they try to figure whether Chef Gusto really died of a broken heart or something more sinister, is now available. Please welcome Nick Rossi. Welcome. Hello.
1: Hey. <laughs> Hello. Man, I'm I was so to, it's to be fearful
0: I would mispronounce something. No, you nailed everything. I, okay, really good. Yeah, wow, that's awesome. <laughs> the problem is that I realize, you know, once you, once you mess one up, it's just oh man, the build, sure. the, it's the ripple effect of that is going to be. I say that like there's any stakes to this whatsoever. <laughs> man, there's no going back. My life will never be the same. There we go. Yeah.
1: Well, you've had some big guests on this show. I've, it's an honor to be back on the show because I am. I am uh i don't i don't carry near the weight of some of the people that you've had like you have got some very cool guests on this oh yeah so,
0: it's it is yeah. it's truly i it feels like false humility but it really is wild like you know it's like not like i have any name recognition whatsoever so when you start something like this you have no expectation of wow i'm gonna talk to a lot of people whose work i've admired for a long time i still can't yeah. really wrap my head around it to be honest well yeah we got we gotta very, start somewhere, you know, so I guess so, yeah, yeah, in my home base of Little Rock, Arkansas, the hub <laughs> of podcast entertainment
1: hey, I mean, Mark Marion got Obama in his garage, so you know it's it's
0: everything's possible, you know, that um, really is a wild i I still can't yeah, something like that that's like oh, that's the the unattainable benchmark, just in terms of both prestige and the fact that that he came to him.
1: Yeah, I know. That's the I thing that is...
0: draws me that really gets me. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty it's pretty ridiculous, but <laughs> he did it. <laughs> Man. Yeah, I just listened to his George Clooney episode the other day. It was really good. Really was good. it good? Yeah, it was. Yeah. Shockingly enough, George Clooney, very charismatic and very uh even just his disembodied voice is like, "Wow, what a what a movie star. What a nice has... guy."
1: I I've seen him in person twice in my life really and he yeah he was the first time um when they were they were filming uh the ides of march um Mm -hmm. at my college uh and uh they were using one of the theater buildings as like um like his characters giving like a discussion doing like a town hall type thing uh and a friend of mine was actually in the movie and i remember uh we got out of class one day and we were sitting in the lobby and my friends were like, Do you want to go to get lunch? And I was like, No, they're filming right now. And then I looked over and it was George Clooney, Ryan Gosling, and Philip Seymour Hoffman, like standing Holy like fifty shit. feet from me. And I was just like, Oh my god. And I just kinda I just watched. Uh <laughs> and then I was an uh, extra in oh, this is actually before. I was an extra in up in the air. Uh oh, and really? uh Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when I was like back in Michigan, uh and George Clooney it was like one of his big days on, like the airport scene, and yeah, the dude is like, he is so charismatic, and he's he is as good looking as advertised in person. There
0: really is like an aura about him. I'm pretty <laughs> like, are, he's yeah. fascinating to me just because like in the '80s, before he made it made it big, he was touted by like so many people, so many people in Hollywood had his back as like, oh, this guy is going to be huge, and they yeah. gave him these different opportunities. Which only just shows that, like in person, he was so charismatic. They're like, "Oh, this guy's going to be a star." Before he yeah. was ever a star, he just had. Yeah,
1: him. there, there is like a certain yeah, like there, like I, I have a couple friends who are like kind of like that, and like you, you they're very talented. But there's also just a oops sorry, uh, they're they're very talented, but there's also like a very clear charisma about them. Yeah, and I think like you can be an actor without that for sure. There are tons of actors that are just like not that but it certainly helps i think you know when you can walk <laughs> into a room and like take over uh yeah, kind of it's definitely
0: um it's definitely the exception and not the rule for yeah, to have yeah. that but man alive when they have it it's it really is just it's both unquantifiable but undeniable
1: yeah totally
0: totally uh, and he really has it <laughs> <laughs> i uh i talked to somebody uh, payment Benz, uh director of a lot of amazing things like last mind on earth and uh black monday and stuff and he worked with uh will smith during the pandemic oh, and wow. i was like i just had to ask him i was like so is he a guy who walks in a room and he's just like oh yeah you're a star and he was like oh yeah yeah <laughs> that, he's just that's just what he is you know like he it's that very that thing of like when he talks to you it feels like you're the only person in the room
1: yeah yeah totally yeah oh,
0: that's i'm so cool i feel like i would have like almost sh- almost b- been so overwhelmed by the star power of seeing ryan gosling george clooney and Philip seymour Hoffman that i would have like been shot back 50 feet or something and just it woken was, up on the ground
1: it was kind of, it was nuts i mean like they were they they were you know 50 to 100 feet from me but we were like in the lobby of a building you know and like i could see them like there wasn't anything blocking us like i could have yeah. walked up to them and i i mean i was like gosh i must have been like 19 or 20 you know and i'm like in theater school and i'm just like this, like a little young actor and then i'm you know i'm i'm yards away from icons you know uh and so i just kind of my friends were like do you want to go get lunch and i was just like no kind like, i just want to like watch them and just sit <laughs> and just be like a total weirdo but you know you know how often do you get the opportunity to like see people
0: like that uh in person know. so you it's know, like cinematic I, whiplash
1: yeah I, I try to be cool like you know i've uh whatever I'm around, uh, and, and that's, like, I think par for the course in Los Angeles, you know, you, you find yourself around some of these people sometimes, and, like, for the most part, I've been pretty chill about it, but, like, there's exceptions where you're just, like, I'm just going to stare, or, like, you know, I've very rarely I have, uh, I have um, gone up to somebody, I, I rarely do that, because uh, I try to keep it, you know, like, if if you want to be part of the industry, you work in it, you don't want to, like, be weird, but there's been a couple exceptions in my life where I've just, like, I was like, I got to say something. I got to just like... What were they? Um, Or who were they? One time, uh, this is so stupid. One of them was, uh, I was, (laughs) when I was a PA, when I first moved to LA, I was drunkenly going into a rap party and Mm -hmm. um, Peter Serafinowicz was walking out and he was also drunk. And I was just like, I just stopped him and I was like, hey, I just want to let you know that Shaun of the Dead's like one of my favorite movies and I like adore you. And he was like, oh, I've just finished filming the penultimate episode of Parks and Recreation or something like that. <laughs> and, like, we just had, like, a little thing. And I was like, oh, that's great. Uh, he was super kind. And then the other one, um, I, I – one time I won, um, like, there, for the Baby Driver release party. They did a Blu-ray release party at the Peterson Automotive Museum. And Edgar Wright tweeted – he's, like, the first 20 people to respond to this can come to this event – and so I did and I got two tickets and me and my, one of my best friends, he's like, loves Edgar Wright too. We went to go see it and we were like sitting front row and like Edgar Wright and like Simon Pegg and Nick Frost are, they're like my idols. Like yeah. I, I've, you know, I, I worship them. Uh, and so Edgar Wright was like doing the interview and he was kind of just like hanging out. And at the end I was like, we just got, I was like, we should go say hi to him. Like we should just say something to him. Uh, and then we took a picture and he's so jet lagged and he's so miserable. And my friend Greg and I are absolutely cheesing next to this man. And just like, (laughs) we, our smiles could not be bigger. And Edgar Wright could not be more tired to exist on planet earth in that photo. Uh, but, (laughs) but I had to, I was like, this guy's like responsible for, you know, most of my like creative, uh, kind of influence, uh, at least, you know, the foundation of it, you know?
0: But also the fact that it's wild I got this opportunity once. This will, this will ne- this statistically should not have happened in the first place. And it, mm, let's be real. Like, it's not going to happen again. I mean, but maybe. But yeah. in that moment, you don't know. So I would, yeah, I would take yeah. every advantage just to get a photo to be like, yeah, that was a nice day.
1: Yeah, yeah. And it was cool. I mean, it was very silly. But and it's like. You know, I, I used to be a personal assistant to like a, a known person. And so I, I had a front row seat to watching people talk to him. And yeah. like everybody always tries to say something kind of important, you know, and like they try to make it like this big moment. And, and it's, you know, for the person, it, it it it's not and it's not to be mean or anything. It's just like they're encountering so much of that constantly that you can't really You know, you you could be kind in the moment, but you can't really. It's not a big moment for them, but for you, it's like this huge thing. And so, uh, you know, when I was, uh, yeah, I I I was trying really hard not to be that, but also like, you know, just be like, wow, it's so cool that you're Edgar Wright. You know, you're wow, what a, you're a real talent. And I like, (laughs) I'm just obsessed with you, (laughs) but respectfully. Yeah, Uh, yeah.
0: But (laughs) you know, that reminds me too that uh, thinking of Edgar Wright and the work with. Simon Pegg and Nick Frost. For whatever reason, my brain immediately went to the first thing they did, Spaced, and yeah. an amazing show or series to put it in UK parlance. But thinking about like innate star power, and clearly Nick Frost had that. Seeing as he had no acting experience previous to doing that, right? Yeah, and you yeah. already saw the early version of him in that show, and he's so mm-hmm. good in it. Even Simon
1: Pegg. I mean, like, they those guys are like. There's actually there's a book that I think just dropped today really? called that I I pre-ordered. It's called You've Got Red on You, and it's about how Shaun of the Dead was made. And I okay. you know you look back on that and like it's there's no real like I I know that space was a thing, but it wasn't a huge show. Like there's not like a there wasn't any star power in that movie, and it just became this like global thing, you know. And and I yeah. I I think that's really phenomenal. And I think as a as you know as an aspiring filmmaker. Uh, I'm excited to read that book because I'm curious how it all came together. Because I think it was like a $10 million budget, which is also kind of nuts for what, 2004? Uh, Yeah. So,
0: I, you know, I think Edgar Wright, too, was somebody who was one of those kind of um, young director Wonderkin types. Yeah. Like he was working, I think, like at 20 or 21, filming pretty big budgeted BBC specials and things Uh uh-huh like he he was a guy who was just like oh this oh this kid has it you know yeah and whatever that means again uh but but yeah he uh he seems like deeply likable while also being extremely like technically accomplished he's very impressive
1: yeah Yeah, one of of those people that just can like name a movie to fit any (laughs) single moment or thing that he's trying to convey uh yeah i think that that's it's a it's mark to me of like a very good director uh that can do stuff like that
0: yeah and the so. fact that like early on in my um realizing of who he was and trying to just you know figure him out and figure out his work i think that was when i heard that he was like film buddies with tarantino and that was like a weird king making experience for me yeah of oh oh if they can talk movies then he knows a lot
1: yeah totally totally yeah yeah the, yeah i've heard that tarantino is like he now like they, they've, they've become very good friends and and uh yeah he's just been very impressed by all of his work and stuff like that and yeah it's cool i mean like yeah tarantino is another one of those like encyclopedic minds there's this there's this director um named joe lynch who directed this movie mayhem yeah um, it's and, a great movie uh, I yeah it the other day yeah it's it's very good yeah and uh uh, a couple of my, my friends actually interviewed him and I like started I was like listening to the interview because I was really fascinated by him and he is another one of those dudes who's just like it's like encyclopedic like I don't know I, like I've watched a lot of movies but you, you hear some of these guys and I'm like how on earth do you have a like a, not only a career but a successful career and yet like where uh, there's only so many hours in the day like <laughs> what is happening are you watching these movies at like 6 a.m. and then going to work. Uh, I know
0: exactly. But also like the fact that they can do that and without attempting to just retain it all seemingly like certain ones like you know like Scorsese and Tarantino come to mind specifically and Edgar right to a certain degree where they just have these steel traps of yeah. a memory towards movies and they can recall such and such from 1953 and this one specific moment but then also be able to include that in their movies while also tonally and making sense you know it feels like a magic trick to me to be able to do all those things you know and whereas i watch a movie and i watch a lot of them but then again they all kind of run together at a certain point sure i I guess i think i guess i'm just not gonna be a filmmaker that's what i'm learning yeah (laughs) (laughs) i think i think there's like a
1: a sense when you watch a movie by somebody like like, those guys, or, or, like, somebody that really knows their stuff, there's, like, a sense that they, like, never forgot how much fun it is to crunch on popcorn in a movie theater. Like, there's, like, yeah. and, I, and I, I know that sounds so corny, but that's, like, always, like, there's a really famous movie theater here in L.A. called uh, Arclight, which we've, unfortunately, during the pandemic... Um, the the main Arclight one, uh, right next to it, there's a the theater called The Dome. And it's like a famous, like pretty much like landmark. And both of them have closed down um, due to the pandemic and, and people really wanted to reopen. But I, I remember when I first came to L.A., that was one of the first theaters that I went to with my dad. And it is like, you know, it it was assigned seating and it was just really nice and, and like, you know, it just it, it oozed like like sort of industry in a way but, but like like this is a career and I don't know as a kid coming from Michigan I just hadn't really experienced something like that and I, I always loved movie theaters and I hung out you know like with my friends we go to movies every Friday when we were in high school but yeah going to that there was just such a romanticism and it was like oh yeah this is why I want to make movies and like this is why I want to do this because I want to be on that screen and And I I want someone to eat popcorn and watch the story that I have to tell. And I I don't know. I just think it's like you get that sense with the filmmaker like Edgar Wright, where it's like he he knows he's keenly aware of what buttered popcorn tastes like, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, Uh, no, I think that's a great call. I think to your point, though, about that specific theater, though, is that it's in and of itself, it's so cinematic. Just the place itself and what I would imagine, just the experience of watching a movie there not having been there, but I've seen plenty of photos and heard everybody just talk very passionately, honestly, about that place and just seeing uh-huh. movies there and that being their place to go and to see that they're they're kind of like, that's their destination. But then the fact that it's in Hollywood and I, there's just so many layers to that to where, yeah, man, if I went there, that would be the only place I would go, I'm sure.
1: You'd have to, yeah, I mean, if it reopens, um, go. Go watch a movie there because it's a lot of fun and it's just so cool and it's like I don't know, it just feels so LA to me in like a really fun, you know, really fun way. It's like a it's an LA staple. Yeah. So yeah, I really hope it, I really hope it reopens because watching a movie in the dome is such a cool experience.
0: I feel like it will inevitably. And I know people at the time when it did shut down when they announced it and, and there was a lot of, and I can understand this, like mourning around that, that people were then, oh, okay, well, it's going to be bought by AMC or somebody's going to buy it and turn it into this, uh, Shell of what it once was, but I'm I'm kind of curious to see who does it. You know, a part of me, again, I have I have I have no dog in this hunt. I guess you would say, but uh-huh. uh, I still want people to enjoy the thing and that that landmark to be open. So part of me was just like, how much money does Tarantino really have? You know, yeah. that type of thing. Because <laughs> I know yeah. he has a New Beverly in L.A., which is its own like uh, kind of uh, art house treasure trove of everything right. that he screens. But yeah, I'd be curious to see who does that. I'm surp- I'm really surprised nothing's come of it yet. But then again, maybe people are waiting to see what the theater experience, what you know, how much it's going to return. I suppose.
1: I, I you know, I, it's interesting. You mentioned I. I am also kind of shocked about maybe not like the whole arc light theater per se, but like the dome. I don't know. It just I, one of the things that did surprise me a little bit about the pandemic is and maybe you know maybe i'm just talking out of my ass because i don't i'm not in this position but i was surprised at like a lot of the institutions of los angeles some of them falling and no celebrity or rich person doing anything i mean some did i'm not saying everybody it's not like a catch-all but but i was like kind of shocked like i remember hearing like you know, there was like, there were tons of, I mean, like, well, we lost the satellite, which was like a really, really wonderful venue. Uh, and I loved it to death. And I mean, it still kind of exists, but they're making it into a restaurant. But it it, it used to be this like really fun dance club and venue where shows would happen. It was just like this like really wonderful vibe there. And and when it went down, I was like, I don't know, I was shocked because, you know, these you talk about these actors could, or these comedians or singers, you know, they're making 10, 20 million dollars. And it was like, I mean, I guess there's better ways to spend money, too, and and to help people out. But I was shocked a little bit that all of those buildings kind of didn't have any financial support when, you know, some people's careers started in those buildings or because of buildings like that. Um, Yeah, you would think that even if
0: they're giant now, they still have nostalgia for a lot of L.A. haunts that they visited, you know, as they were getting up or going up in the industry. Yeah. Yeah. A part of me, that's I don't know what it is about that. But, yeah, my brain also goes to, oh, one of them will save it. They I mean. I know they're big and some to some degree maybe don't have necessarily a concept of reality but but they still have they still have feelings and they still remember and have beautiful memories just like anybody else. Yeah, I think it's it,
1: it, 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 and it, like I said, I don't have that kind of money and so like maybe that's like a whole different you know, I'm sure there it's there's a lot of different issues as, uh, when you get that kind of money and and you could be donating it to other things and more important stuff. But I also think like you Know if you have that kind of money, maybe there's something that you can put a little money to very important issues, but we, we still have to have something to go back to, you know. Like, there's, yeah. I think, like, there should be. I think it's important that we have cultural touchstones and, and things and places to dance and express ourselves. And you know, um, it, it was, yeah, it was really sad to see some of that stuff fall. And I'm, I'm glad that some of them, like, I was so scared that the troubadour wasn't going to reopen, uh, and they're doing fine, thank god, uh, you know, but it was like. Stuff like that, you get so scared of like some of these venues going down, and yeah, you
0: know, you don't I I mean, yeah, well, to your point, like just as a present experience, let alone all of the immense history that comes with those places, too. Like, you know, not that that's necessarily like a tangible thing in today's world, but that there are, you know, historical sites and things like that are very important. And just the, the idea that they could be like paved over and and you know, put up a parking lot to put it in weird song terms, but that that it can be like that. Is just like it's both a bummer. It's also like deflating. You know, it sucks. it sucks. Yeah,
1: yeah. You really don't like. I I hear, I hear so many people talk about how different San Francisco was like 10 15 years ago. And I mm-hmm. think, and I, I, you know, I I grew up in the suburbs outside of Detroit. And so, like, I, you know, I've I've seen how Detroit has changed, but I didn't live in the city, so I didn't have like a real compass for that. I guess. But living now in Los Angeles for almost ten years, it's like you can you definitely see things, you know, and especially with the effects of the pandemic and things like that. And a city that has such historical relevance as Los Angeles, you know, you you really do see uh, how some of the landscape has changed, and and you know how things just get kind of washed away and erased. And you know, yeah, it is it is sad. It is definitely sad. Uh, but you know, some they things mean it. Me. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and it and it seems like you know, maybe you know maybe it's more of a matter of we're in this like this gray area. Not that we haven't been for you know shit two years now, basically a gray area of where this where we're at, where it's going, and now we're going into the holidays, and I fear, you know, I fear a I don't even want to say it, but you know, I I just just fear that resurgence. Yes, yes, I do. I I fear that you know as much as I'd like. Don't want to say it just because I, as if like that will cause it, but the fact that uh, I don't know, I just don't want to give it credence. I suppose just out sure. of fear that it might happen, but but also though you don't want to be like a curmudgeon type while also realizing these are all the circumstances that that cause these things. Unfortunately, yeah, um, yeah. But uh, I don't even know where I was going with that. Uh, but uh, all that is to say that um, maybe you know maybe they're just waiting it out and just seeing. Kind of how this is going to go and settle more into like re- relative regularity of numbers going down,
1: mm-hmm. kids
0: getting vaccinated now, and things like that, and then maybe everything will come back, hopefully. Um, but to your point, though, it's like the idea, the idea that uh, while we're all people are vaccinated now, we can go out and we can be communal and sociable, but then uh-huh. there are no places open, because everything closed, because nobody could be that.
1: Right, yeah, yeah. And it's, it's tough because it's like, there's so much going on in the world that matters more I always wrestle with this, but it's like, how do we like select I don't know. Did we talk about this last time? I feel like we might have. Like just the idea of like selective mourning. yeah, And just like that, I I, I go back and forth on all this stuff because at the end of the day, it is just a building. And there's way more important things that are happening in the world right now. Um, But uh, it is still like, I don't know. I still think that you can make time to mourn something that meant a lot to you um and it doesn't you know it doesn't have to take full you know front page morning but uh yeah i don't know it's definitely interesting it's a definitely it's an interesting thing to to see some of those things and and the the passage of time
0: yeah yeah (laughs) but that's the thing though (laughs) it's it's so wistful this this morning (laughs) no but i i get it though like you know it's one thing to uh to where it's to saying it's the worst thing in the world but then it's also not fair to be like, Oh, who gives a shit in the scheme of things? Like I yeah. 'cause you can do that about so many other things relative to like really important things. But and I was thinking about this the other day of like Man, you can't you can't care about everything. Yeah. You know, like <laughs> I know you know, which almost sounds heartless, but like not you you just you can't. 'Cause if right. you care about everything, you care about nothing. You know, you have to care about certain things and feel really passionate about them, but like it's kind of like going into a diner and you see this menu of a thousand different things, and you're like, "Cool, well, you're gonna have a thousand average things because you can't really specialize in everything when you make everything, right?" You know. Whereas, like when I see a restaurant that has like nine things on the menu, and it's something that seems like wild, a wild combination of flavors, I'm like, uh-huh. "Well, this must be good because they only do nine of them." Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah. So that's it's a great way to put it. Yeah. It's like, what can you do? Yeah. Um, yeah. I did want to ask you though, by the way, about your uh. Last time you were here, about, I think by that time, your special had been out a couple weeks. Your special being, uh-huh. where is in my notes? Oh, yeah. Thin, uh, thin Wall is an evening with my neighbors, mm-hmm. that is, which is available now on YouTube yeah. uh, for free. But I was curious about gaining momentum with that, you know, like, because by this point, 20,000 plus people have watched it. Uh-huh. And, and I was just curious, like, were you able to gain traction from that? Because it's not like you could, like, at that time, go out and do shows and, like, kind of maybe take advantage of it in the more traditional ways. But what, if, what if anything, has, like, come out of that for you?
1: Um, uh, you know, well, I did a TED Talk based on that, uh, which was kind of fun, um, like, making a comedy special uh, in the pandemic. Uh, I don't think it's like a great TED talk, and I think it's my fault because uh, uh, I was like, it was so interesting. I got asked to do this TED talk, and and uh, I at first I was going to talk about like making art during a time of tragedy, and I was like looking up all these examples and doing research, and then I was like, I have no, I have no authority on this situation. Like <laughs> yeah. this feels so disingenuous for me to be talking about. Um, and so then uh, the team, which was so sweet and supportive that I was working with, was like they were like well uh, you know you could talk about i was like can i talk about just making the special and they were like for sure totally and then you know the people that i was on a lineup with were like it was like this this one woman using music in this unorthodox way to teach kids and then another guy was talking about like mdma and it's like psycho positive effects and then like another woman and her like journey with uh uh being diagnosed with cancer and then another guy about um oh god what was it uh it was like pain tolerance or something like that uh i'm not doing it justice all of these talks are on youtube you can search them up like tedx u of m they were incredible and i just felt it was just such a i had such imposter syndrome doing this ted talk uh (laughs) and they also all filmed in ann arbor in front of this like beautiful background, but because it was still pretty, like I hadn't gotten vaccinated yet. Cause it, this was like, I think pre vaccine. Uh, we filmed it in the same courtyard, um, where I did the special, but with like no audience. Um, and so like, it looks fine, but like, it's definitely different, uh, than the rest of the presentations. Um, so anyway, long story short, I did do a Ted talk, which was kind of fun, uh, uh, based on that experience. And then, uh, you know, it got on like some lists and stuff and it got cool coverage and, uh we briefly pitched it as a television show um really but yeah so we like like i some producers reached out and we had like some meetings and you know we would we pitched to some production companies this idea of doing so like and if you're listening and you haven't seen the special it's free it's on youtube check it out but it's like the whole thing was like me doing the special for my neighbors in the courtyard and so we pitched this idea of a television show um and forgive me i have a bit of a cold today so if you hear me sniffling uh uh the idea was that me and a a more well-known comedian every episode would go to an apartment building and we would like uh talk to the neighbors and we would get to know them and then maybe we would fix something in their building you know if they needed it or like give them something and then at the end we would do a show in their courtyard um and so let's pitch that as a series yeah and i thought it was cool and cheap and fun and you know know your neighbor and all that and Um, but unfortunately it didn't go through, but it it was a cool process to like pitch a show for the first time. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, and then at the end of the day, it's like a special and it's something that I can point to. Uh, but it's like, it's hard because, you know, when everything came back in LA, everybody wanted stage time. And so... Like Yeah, I have a special and 20,000 people have seen it and it's very cool and and I'm really, really proud of it. And it's like points to something that I want to do more of in the future. But, you know, when you're competing for stage time with like somebody that has a Netflix special or a Comedy Central 30 or, you know, a late night appearance, it's like you know, you're fourth or fifth in that pecking order. Uh, And then, you know, if you're not friends with the booker, now you're fifth or sixth, you know, uh, and then there's, you know, that night that's not going to work. So it definitely, it, it led to some really cool moments. I'm really happy I did it. And the amount of people that reached out to me when it dropped, uh, because it dropped during a pretty dire time during the pandemic. Uh, and so the, the amount of people that, from friends to people that I didn't know that reached out and and said that it kind of brightened their day uh you know as cheesy as it sounds that was that was worth just as much, yeah, uh, um you know to me and 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 I look back upon that as something that i'm I'm really proud of and I'm really happy with, but uh in terms of like you know um helping me, you know, I don't know, I think that remains to be seen <laughs> It definitely well, it's, like, yeah, it's, you know
0: everything's still shaping up, you know or yeah, you yeah. still figure out what you know it's. I mean, you have SF Sketchfest coming out, you know, in January.
1: Yeah, that that is fun. I did have a bit of a drought with comedy festivals over the past couple... I mean, obviously, last year notwithstanding, but, like, you know, uh, uh, for some reason, I definitely uh, uh, had some uh, bad luck with festivals, Uh, and so to finally get into SF Sketchfest was super-duper cool and... You know, I was like, okay, all I had to do was make a a special. Because like, that's th- what it took. Thank you, pandemic. Thank <laughs> you. Yeah, 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 yeah. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. If there's any comedian out there, just make a comedy special and you can get into festivals. So <laughs> perfect.
0: The, uh, yeah, yeah. You know, so yeah, with S- something like SF Sketch Fest, it's a is it like an arduous submission process? I suppose I, I'm not aware of that.
1: Oh no, no. It's it's like you just put links and like you write like a quick bio and then and then you wait. I mean, I think the arduous thing is like the waiting process especially a festival that's as like prestigious as Sketchfest, yeah um you know uh, to get into it was like it's a real I, you know it's a real honor it's i you know i i i think i don't know i like this sort of stuff and so to get into uh, Sketchfest was something that meant a lot to me um and uh yeah but the process itself is just like you know you're clicking a couple buttons you're setting your best clip and and then you're writing like, what's your note? What's your quote unquote known for? As if somebody would ever stop me on the street. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's fun. It is. It's a, it's a whole process and you have to do a lot of it yourself. And, you know, you learn things. So How long do you have to wait? Uh, oh God. When did I apply for this? Um, I, like maybe like four months, I want to say, but like, that's really, I, I don't truly remember when, actually, you know what? I can look this up right now, uh, when I apply it to SketchFest, uh, because i just found out
0: i feel like that's almost a long enough time in a weird way to where it's enough time to go to to do your normal everyday life so then when you find out it's almost like you find a 20 dollar bill on a coat you've owned for 30 years yeah yeah oh okay
1: awesome so i applied actually no i applied on september 30th uh so it wasn't that long this one was like a couple months. so, sometimes it can be more. Um I've applied to festivals where it's like, you know, f- 4 or 5 months and then and then they're like, unfortunately, we don't have room and you're like, okay, I guess that's yeah. my Wednesday
0: now. Say <laughs> in so, covid time, that's that's like a year at this point. So Right, right. And you then know, you're just like, so oh, man, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, man, I I know that it's like it feels like such a cliche now about you know, the idea of like it being more difficult to judge the passage of time. And all this, but it, but at least for me, it's it's a very real thing for me. Yeah, you know, like time, it really feels like more of a concept than ever for me. Yeah, totally.
1: It's it's yeah. I, I especially like working from home. Uh, it, it's wild to me that like the special was dropped over a year ago. Like that that is very odd to me. I, I feel like twenty twenty took a long long time, and twenty twenty one has really blown by in like a very odd way. Uh, yeah. And so I uh, yeah I I I don't know how to get and they say that like the older you get the, pass, the faster time feels because our perception of time you know like when you're 5 years old a year is 20% of your life right but when you're 30 yeah. uh, it's a year is one and then it's one thirty-first and 1/32nd and it gets shorter and short, shorter uh yeah <laughs> i didn't really real. i i apologize if i sound so down i'm actually having a pretty good monday uh i thought i'm talking about like the loss of los angeles's soul and <laughs> how time now, is
0: quickening, quickening well, And by the way like here in arkansas like winter is almost exactly a month away technically but yeah. the winter weather is really sunk in. so i've had that that real seasonal affective disorder situation in the last mm. week, so I I get it. It's not like in a depressing way, but it's more of a, it's it's almost like you're not ready for it. So then when you look outside, and you're like, oh, it's gonna rain. You just realize that's what it looks like now. Yeah, and then, and then that that relative like it's not not sunny, but it's also like there's a a, a malaise or a dreariness to it. So yeah. I'm not like sad, but I'm also like not exactly. One hundred percent energized, like I might have been a week and a half ago. Uh-huh, so I get uh-huh. it. Yeah, I mean, you lived in Michigan, so you, you yeah, probably oh get yeah. it. Those classic symptoms far more than I do at this point.
1: Yeah, I mean, like it's interesting. I I actually kind of like love it when it gets gloomy here uh, because it's so rare, um, and so I, I I do miss I miss that. Like it, it right? The, what are the what are the nice things? I think and might have i shouldn't say nice but like one of the things that i think helped at the very start of the pandemic was like right when we went into lockdown in march it rained for like a week which it never does in la and it it became so much more manageable uh because after that it was like sunny and at least you know that scene in ferris bueller's day off when he talks like he's like who could go to school on a day like today and then it shows like sunny chicago and it's like literally that is like all the time in la and so during the height of the pandemic people were like don't go outside and i felt like ferris bueller like at home and i was like who could stay in on a day like today you know (laughs) uh so it's it's interesting i do like it when it gets a little uh, i i I, when it gets muggy outside and you get to stay in with a blanket and like you know play a video game
0: well Um, i mean to speak to the rarity of rain As somebody who follows a lot of people who are just in LA on like Twitter, that I find in quick succession when it happens from a lot of people on two major two things: when Uh there's an earthquake or when it rains. To show like that shows how infrequent those things are.
1: Yeah, yeah, totally. It's always all over Twitter when there's a yeah earthquake (laughs) Twitter and uh, rain LA Twitter. Yeah, I love because people are just it's just so like it's so supportive. You know, <laughs> yeah. everyone's just like throwing out likes and retweets and they're like, yeah, dude, it's also raining here. And it's like we're
0: 15 minutes away from each other. Of course it is. Like you It's know? infrequent enough it. to where friendships have started because of rain and people connecting <laughs> on Twitter. Like yeah, I truly yeah. believe that. Like it's almost when I read it, too, and see that it's obviously far more the rain than an earthquake, clearly. But I'm just like, oh, I love that for you. Just a nice respite, yeah. something different.
1: It is nice, yeah. The earthquake is way scarier, but I do yeah. love earthquake Twitter because uh, that's like it's like rain Twitter, but like a little more of a party um, because it's a little more dangerous.
0: <laughs> I also do like it's like the equivalent of like watching gymnastics once every four years at the Olympics, and everybody's suddenly an expert. Like everybody uh-huh. suddenly becomes a seismologist, and they talk about oh, yeah. epicenters. And oh well, you know, well in Burbank it was like a two point three, so I don't know about that. Like it's just, it's so funny to watch like everybody just turning on putting on their like earthquake thinking caps. Oh yeah, and it's, just experience it's, that. It's very fun.
1: It's so fun. I, I I've like yeah, it's like growing up in the Midwest, I never thought that I would like look a person in the eye and be like, Oh yeah, it was like a four two. We're gonna be fine. Like what <laughs> is that even like as if I know. Yeah. Uh, and then, like a
0: four two can be actually if you're close enough can be kind of intense. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't I don't know what it is about that. I I get that too like thankfully it's like benign stuff like that. Like if it's not like I'm being interviewed on the news or something as any kind of expert to where what I say has any sort of ripple effect, but yeah. there are things where like I I have no knowledge based on this, it just feels right and then I just uh-huh. it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I was curious when I googled your name last night in preparation Uh for this Uh i saw one of the first (laughs) things i saw uh was it mentioned a league of their own yeah that you're in did you go to did you get to go to pittsburgh to film that
1: no i was part of the pilot uh that we filmed in california okay um yeah it was really cool i i I, you know it still hasn't come out We, we filmed that in february of 2020 so like literally right before the pandemic um Oh, wow. Yeah, which is such a shame. I I really do feel like a lot of, because a lot of, I feel like even millennials talk like this, like we were finally getting it together and we were finally like really taking off. And so when I got cast in League of Their Own, I was like, oh, like years and years of work. And like finally, you know, and and like I was going on all these auditions and then, you know, the bandit happened. Um, But uh, um, yeah, we filmed that in California. I forget exactly where, because it was like an hour or two hours outside of town um But it was so cool, like it, to to go to like a set that I don't know how much I can talk about it, but 'cause because it doesn't come out yet, but to go to like a set that's like you know dressed to look like the '40s and you know to be there with, and I I did a scene with you know some of the people that are like are bigger in the show and and that yeah. that was a very cool thing uh, as like a as a young actor to be able to do. Um, that's so yeah, cool. It was a blast, and and like you you want to be c- careful of because it's like a beloved source material um so you know you know that it's weird to like do your first kind of big thing and in the back of your head you're like oh tom hanks might see this you know like (laughs) like oh how interesting you know
0: (laughs) like there are yeah there were huge people in that in that show and it's a i mean it's a cultural touchstone it's considered one of the best you know baseball movies sports films i'm sure even yeah ever made and it's one that i remember vividly like i remember when i was a because i came out i think 92 and i was nine so yeah i remember going to the mall and buying like the single i guess of this used to be my playground or whatever that song is that, that madonna uh-huh. made and yeah. it was like those are memories tied to that thing so when i saw that they were doing a reboot i was like oh that's interesting i that could be really interesting i'm just curious how they're gonna make it and i know that they filmed it uh they greenlit it, I, I suppose, and then filmed starting uh, July of this year. So yeah. it's like it'll be, you know, early to mid, probably like mid next year or something like Yeah, that.
1: I hope I don't get cut. I mean, you know, it was cool to film, and now we're just kind of it, – it, You know what's embarrassing, too, is I, I hadn't seen it until I got cast in the remake. Oh, really? Uh, and then my fiancé was like, are you kidding? Uh <laughs> And then we watched it, and I was like, oh, this is a very fun movie. (laughs) It's a real
0: delight. (laughs) You're like, it was already an honor, but now it's an honor.
1: Yeah, like, I knew it was, like, a thing that everybody loved, but I had just, like, never seen it. And then then we bought it uh, and watched it, and and it's yeah and then the pressure you know starts i mean it's a tiny little role like i i literally i play like a reporter who's just like women playing baseball you're kidding you know <laughs> yeah. um but uh, I, I auditioned for like three roles in that and that was maybe the least offensive white man in the 40s so that was a at least that's, i got that that's a win <laughs> yeah it, it could like, have been you <laughs> realizing you could be so much worse it could be there, so it, much worse and there was there definitely was and so when i got when i got to play this
0: reporter i was like okay cool like, he's yeah, not perfect, but okay. Like, t- the idea of, like, being the physical manifestation of times were different then could be a real yeah. problem. Because especially, like, if somebody hasn't—just think about, like, if—regardless of, like, the, the the how big somebody gets or is at the time when you're watching this thing that's older, that— if you have no point of reference for them, that's your first point of reference, regardless of the intention of that situation. Yeah. Right. So, like, you could be the face of racism to somebody and then become like a George Clooney, but that's your initial introduction to them.
1: I, it's tough. I, I literally, I had dinner with some friends last night and we, we had this whole conversation about that of like, you know, it's still early in your career. Like what are, you know, is there a role that you wouldn't take? And, you know, obviously you're supposed to say yes to everything in this, in this point. But yeah, I do sometimes, you know, think about that. Uh, Like, okay, well, is this really going to be the first impression of me that I'm just like, (laughs) this like, terrible white man from the 30s like i don't want to be that like because you have kids one day and then they see you just like screaming something awful and you're like ah it was the role and it's like okay but (laughs) i still have this this is like 4k of you like yelling an epithet dad
0: (laughs) it's it's like like, wow you seemed really comfortable saying that it's called acting yeah and then you're like where are you going yeah yeah is it dad and you're like (laughs) okay, well you know
1: you lose some power as a as a parent. They have
0: that. <laughs> You're like, Wow, you had no hesitation saying that. Yeah. <laughs> it's in this script. I this is what the director said. Believe me, I had my protestations, but I still had to say it. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. But
1: luckily it wasn't it wasn't all that. So if I don't get cut, um, hopefully they it's edited in a good light for me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that is though uh, yeah. I it's funny though, I've talked to so many people that are are in that similar position to where not that there was like ever a good time obviously for a pandemic uh but that it like something big happened to them within days prior to the pandemic becoming a thing here at least yeah and just the idea of like you know it's man it's just tough i imagine just to to feel like you've lost that momentum not that you can predict the future anyway but just the idea of losing that momentum after like something big happens and then within days later it's like Funnily enough, Tom Hanks gets COVID, NBA shuts yeah. down, and then it suddenly becomes real to a lot of people.
1: Yeah, yeah. It was it was definitely uh Yeah. It was hard to to go through all that. I mean, that was kind of the whole reason I made the spa well, one of the reasons I made the special is like, you know, I I I had all this momentum and then it was gone. And it was like, okay, well, how do I pick it back up? Uh in a way that's safe. And so obviously some people I mean, like you look at somebody like um what's her name uh that has the showtime show now oh my gosh z-way you know yeah. she like she like exploded during the pandemic you know and so some people really hit it off and some people made things that they were proud of like me and and uh and and this and you have this r- true i really think that this like I, i've marveled at how the guests you've gotten man like i, I really like it's very cool uh and so again oh, I like i said it's an honor to be back on uh yeah, of and course. and Hopefully, one day in the future, uh, we'll, we can do another episode, and I can be like, oh, yeah, I'm on set in Montenegro, and it's wonderful times here.
0: <laughs> and that'd be so, a point for everybody. But but, you yeah, know, yeah. It, you <laughs> know what's funny is, though? You were saying that, and it never occurred to me that this is one of those things. To, not, obviously, in terms of breaking it big, but of just some form of creative outlet during the pandemic. never occurred to me that, yeah, that's exactly what this very thing that we're doing right now, that's what that is. Yeah, never occurred yeah. to me. It's a creative, um, yeah.
1: That, I mean, that's the whole like with the podcast that we just did. It's like that was another one of those like ridiculous things that happened. Uh, you just have to kind of keep making stuff, you know.
0: Yeah, I wanted to ask about that. Ride a Sleuthy, which is now available. Funnily enough, as we're recording this, first episode is out this morning. But uh-huh. I was curious about like um, what just what are the behind the scenes of why this remain? show? <laughs> yeah. I, well, first of all, it's fun. I like the I, I enjoy the title very much when thanks when did you come up with the idea was it the name first idea second vice versa what what's the backstory
1: um a year this is so dumb this uh, the podcast that we made it's like it's so fun uh, so if you you know yeah definitely listen to it i, I so uh my friend ally gordon and i um she's a very very funny comedian actor writer in new york um, that I went to college with, but we were never very close in college. We kind of like head nod high. We, you know, exchange pleasantries at parties. Um, but, but always somebody that I've like really admired. Um, and uh, I tweeted one day that I I said, I'm X amount of days into the pandemic that I'm curious how chef Gusto really died in Ratatouille uh, because I've never bought that. He died of a broken heart. Um, and sh- somebody else tweeted something like you should do a serial style podcast about this and and then i was like oh that's kind of fun and then she dm'd me and was like hey i think this is like this is like a dream project this is so funny and so then we like got together and we wrote this podcast where she plays a rat detective and i play a human detective and we like stumble across some information that leads us to believe that chef Gust- it's its set in the ratatouille universe um and we stumble across some information that suggests that chef gusto was actually murdered um instead of dying of a broken heart as is the tale in ratatouille um and then somewhere along the lines we just came up with ratasluthy uh because we're detectives and like it just kind of fit uh and uh yeah and it but it, i of the things that I have worked on, this has been such a joy because it's been like neither of us it's not our main thing, it's just like a really silly passion project like it but like there's no stakes involved at all, and like so, you know, we, we would write the script at our own time. And if we had something come up, it was always like, Oh yeah, take whatever. Who cares? Like take the week off. Like this doesn't matter. Um, and it was just such a really, it was a really fun way to approach a project. Uh, and, and Ali's brilliant. Uh, and I think we both kind of respected each other fully as writers, which doesn't always happen, uh, when you're collaborating on something, but I think we both had this cool amount of trust in each other. Um, yeah. And, I mean, you'll have hallie to too and and uh but right, you know um yeah, we we just kind of I think had to trust each other as writers and and uh because it was such a low stakes project, uh we went about it very slowly. I mean, we've been working on this thing for like a, I don't know like eight months, but like at our own pace um and uh yeah, and so we've come with this very silly podcast, and <laughs> it's a six part series. And we do get to the bottom of what happened to Chef Gousteau And hopefully, if Disney and Pixar don't sue us into the ground, you'll be able to find out. Uh,
0: So (laughs) (laughs) stick with us because, yeah, more episodes are coming every week. It's great, too. Like, it's really well produced and uh, done. I I just love, you know, that's some of my favorite comedy is the... The seriousness juxtaposed against something so absurdly silly, uh-huh. you know, straight face silliness is some some of the best, you know. Like funnily enough, yeah. M- MacGruber was just announced the TV show release uh-huh. date today. Uh, speaking of like silly stuff, so that's like that type of thing is just completely like made for me, and yeah, again, well produced, but also though easily consumable under nine minutes. That first episode out now, yeah, it's really yeah, they're,
1: good. They're all between like like eight to 15 minutes we, we, we figured it was like, just like, well, one um, it is a shocking amount of work, uh, which I didn't really realize. Uh, and I I've really enjoyed doing like, cause I've been doing the sound design for it. Uh, and I, I've really enjoyed, you know, creating Paris uh, audially, but um, it, it is a just a crazy amount of work um, to do that. So I, I'm happy that they're only 10 to 15 minutes generally. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, it's been, it's been like a really fun. And, and like you said, I, I love like Key and Peele were always just such a big influence and they're so brilliant at playing genre and playing it so straight that it's hilarious. And I think we like, that's something that we wanted to do. And, and so like the podcast is really played like as serious as a human rat detective combo solving a murder can be. Yeah. Um, but we, yeah, there's not really like, we don't really ever break from that which i love uh it's 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 as if it was a
0: real world so yeah No, it's really for but i was about to say it's fully realized i mean as much as like that inherent concept can be fully realized it really is yeah. though like i i didn't know you know going into what exactly it would be tonally exactly and then i yeah. wasn't to it it's again it's really funny uh really it's, good extremely like consumable cannot recommend it enough Thank you. it's that's really nice, good really i really nice. enjoyed Thank it you. and and that's the type of name too where it's like so and i mean this truly in the best way possible so uh-huh. silly and stupid that oh name. yeah it's but it's just like uh it's like the um <laughs> it's like the antonio Banderas meme of him leaning back in his chair satisfied it's like that type of like yeah. oh yeah it's nice it's fun yeah
1: I'm, I'm really big on uh on names i've like always always been uh if I work on anything, I a, a title is so so important to me. Yeah, um, uh, I love I the puzzle think it, of it. Yeah, and so when Red, when we came up with sleuthy I was like, oh, of course, you know, it's one <laughs> word. It's it, it's a pun on the t- actual title, and 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 our friend Beth Radloff, who's an amazing artist, who actually she has a booth upcoming at San Diego Comic Con, and you should check out her stuff, Beth B. Radloff uh on just google it she's an amazing artist um a uh, really good friend of mine um she designed her our logo right yeah she's she's honestly a genius um and you should just check out her work because it's like it's really stunning um the amount of talent that like i don't know i'm especially gosh visual artists i'm always like so stunned and beth is like like really like a level tier um with the work that she does so yeah highly recommend checking out her stuff if you if you like our, our the picture of the logo it only gets better uh from yeah
0: her. it it really like that was the first thing i saw on your post when you initially posted like the talking about the teaser of it coming out at well came out last week as of now but mm-hmm. i was like I, it's it immediately sucks you in like what oh what am i looking at what is this and then you read <laughs> about it and it's just like oh this is gonna be delightful it was re- <laughs> really impressive artwork really impressive hey. Yeah, yeah, I'll t- I'll tell her. She's yeah, she's she's so talented and so kind and like,
1: yeah. Just what same thing with Allie. It's like it's 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 a real treat to work with like egoless talent. You know, That's just yeah. like they're so good and they don't have any front about it. And it's like, gosh, I don't know. It's it's really cool to work with people like that. And and Allie Gordon and Beth Radloff, like they're they're two people that really
0: exemplify that. I think so. Yeah, I yeah. imagine you know that could be. Uh potentially a, a nice change of pace. Yeah, yeah, totally. that, it's to where it's... it's not a competition. This is like we're really just trying. This is all like a silly win. Let's just enjoy this.
1: Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And and I and I really hope, you know, obviously when you're at the this level of your career, you know, whether you want to admit it or not, there's there's a part where you're always making something and you're thinking, well, what does this mean is there you know because yeah. if you want to make you want to make money creating art so that you can create more stuff um but i hope that i can continue to make stuff like Radisleuthy where it's like it's just pure enjoyment uh and there wasn't an agenda and there wasn't anything and we took our time and yeah i think it just and i i, I hope it shows because we really love making
0: it it's it's a delight it really thank is thank you um <laughs> Well, I know we got we got a little bit left before we get to the point where I, I had said that we would go. But um, I do want to ask you, too, how is it to be a Detroit sports fan at the moment? And I don't ask that. <laughs> See, here's the thing, though. I, I just realized as I asked that the type of tenor that could take on. But I'm genuinely curious because, like, you know, Detroit Pistons, there, there's hope there. Cade Cunningham is very fun. And, yeah, I love Cade. And he's super talented and he seems like he has a... Not that I have any basis, speaking of like people talking about like earthquakes without knowing about him. I have yeah. no concept of what this means, but it just feels right to say... He feels like he has the right mentality for a Detroit sports team.
1: He does. He really does. Um, it is. It is. That's so funny. Well, okay, so being a Detroit sports fan in general right now is pretty bad. Um, yeah. But, you know, it, it, when you're born and raised into something, you don't leave it. And I'm, <laughs> yeah. I... I I have I love collecting hats and I generally won't wear a hat unless it's a Michigan sports team. Um I have like a couple like I have one hat that says Rome on it, but like my mom's from Italy, so that's kinda of still home team for me. Yeah. Um but uh I, I generally will not wear anything unless it's Michigan or more specifically Detroit as a hat. Um and so, you know, it's it's I think with the real fans are the ones that stick around during these years because there was a study that came out I think or or a thing that came out that said that Detroit sports we are go we are going through the worst of all because like the Wings, the Tigers, the Pistons and the Lions for the past like 3 or 4 years, I mean the Lions all the time, but for the past 3 4 plus years have all been bad. And like uh that doesn't really ever happen in major sports cities. Um yeah. so overall kind of bad. But yes, there is hope. The Wings are playing better, the Tigers are being great. I really think the Lions it's a bad year, but I believe in the coach. Um, and, uh, to answer the more specific question about Cade. Yeah. That kid is like, I shouldn't say kid. He's a man. He's a grown man, but he, he (laughs) is, he is so Detroit in that he has come in and he has embraced the city. He wore the buffs when he got drafted, uh, which is like a type of sunglasses that is like kind of very popularized in like Detroit hip hop. And, you know, he, he understands like the Detroit vs. everybody mentality. Uh, and he's the kind of guy that has said that he wants to stick with one team for his whole career. And he's just poised and like, yeah, I, I, I it's so odd to like, I mean, I, I bought a way too much money t shirt with him on it. Uh, <laughs> cause I was so <laughs> excited. I literally, yeah. I, I remember when, when he got drafted, I like, I tweeted something like, I've cried two times this week. If we get the number one overall pick again, it'll be three times. And like when we got the first overall pick, it had been such a rough time for Detroit sports that I just like, I had like tears streaming down my face and my (laughs) dog was like, what is wrong with you?
0: (laughs) You're like, just for the time being, this is the closest thing we'll get to a Super Bowl or a championship. Let's just enjoy this in this moment. Because that is, you know, to your point, like it being such a relative drought, collectively for the city sports teams that yeah enjoy I, that win you know that's a rare bright spot in that
1: yeah and, and i i don't think i don't think when people meet me they really understand how much i love sports because i like i i i don't know i don't always wear it as much on my sleeve uh and and i just uh, but i just to get a win for detroit and, and it's a city that i deeply deeply care about uh i i just yeah anything that good that happens to detroit uh and I, I will defend that city till the end. Uh, and Cade is such a cool thing that has happened. So, yeah, 100% behind him. I, I hope he turns into the next great superstar.
0: I think he's, re- man, he's really talented. Um, he is. He's so good. I cannot believe we got Cade Cunningham. <laughs> and uh, he just, you know, funnily enough, got a triple-double last night, I believe. Yes, um, he did. It's funny, you know, the last two podcasts, uh, this one and then the previous episode, which just came out today with Ross Kimball, mm-hmm. they were both recorded the Day after a major fight in the NBA. So, uh, really? Yeah. So, if that, if that, uh, trend holds, uh, there will be another one tonight because I'm recording tomorrow. So, okay. Was it the Jokic? Say what?
1: Was it the Jokic fight that he recorded? Yeah. 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 That was nuts. Yes,
0: that was. Uh, it's funny too that when I, you know, when I recorded at the time, I hadn't really, it was brought up to me. I just hadn't really thought about it as much. And then you're like, oh, cool. Let me just, give my opinion, undefined, un- undefined opinion, you know, on a podcast when I'm recording. That's cool. Let's just send it out for everybody here. Uh-huh. So now I'm like really self-conscious about it because my opinion has changed so much about it. But, you know, yeah. I'm curious to see what the fallout from this current one is going to be just because, you know, not the super, superstars are, you know, are played by different rules yes. or are given a different set of rules. So I'm just curious... What if anything, LeBron will get busted for?
1: I will say the the Isaiah Stewart beef stew, um sure. the fact that he went after LeBron like that, that is like it really like Detroit loves that guy. Like that's something that like endears you to a city, especially Detroit because it's like our the reputation for like the pistons and all that has always been yeah. like we are we are like a rough like, we'll push you around. And uh, to do something like that and to stand up for yourself against somebody like LeBron James, yeah, it that's it endears yourself to the city. He's so, It's so Detroit uh, in, like, the best way. I mean that. It's like – because it's that's the Pistons, man. It's the bad boys. I, I love <laughs> <You> know, it. <laughs> the, funny thing
0: is, the funny thing is that the bad boy Pistons came up when we talked about Jokic too. So now you we're really? two for two. True, Yeah, funnily enough. Just about you know fighting in the NBA and things like that. So I was just like, oh, we truly are two for two. Tomorrow yeah. I'm talking to somebody in Ireland. So if it comes up again, I'll be shocked. Oh yeah, yeah. Really, really have to wonder what the power of this podcast. But <laughs> uh, but you know, I was thinking too when I saw that he fought LeBron and just didn't give a shit about who that was. Yeah, I was like, wow, that's both endearing, and I'm also thinking like, man, this is a young guy who doesn't necessarily have an enemy in one of the most powerful. And, you know, known people in the NBA, but definitely is not like they're gonna, not going to be friends. So I was no. like, man, that he really, he, he was understandably pissed off in that yeah. situation.
1: Yeah. I think too, it's like, and I know I don't like to not belabor it, but I really do think like Detroit as a city very unfairly gets a lot of flack, especially when it's responsible for a lot of major cultural moments in this country and like i mean you talk from cars to music to actors that have come out of it detroit is like we, we it just never gets its due publicly and yeah. i think it's a city that's used to being pushed around and i mean the detroit versus everybody that the city name versus everybody it's originated in detroit and so i think isaiah stewart not getting pushed around by lebron james and standing up to him that's what i mean when i say it's so detroit because it's like it's a city that no matter how many times you push it, it will never back down. And I, and like, I, oh, I fucking love that he did, you know, it's just like stand up, you know? And, and I, I always, I don't know. I just, I've always been very inspired by that. And there's just like, there's so much grit and grind in Detroit. And uh, yeah, I just, he's perfect. He, he fits the mold perfectly.
0: Yeah. It's funny too, that when I think of, um, when I think of Detroit, the thing that comes to mind for whatever, I mean, is this, just probably because of just the auto industry and factories It's just blue collar. That's Uh what I think every time I think of blue. When I think blue collar, I think both again, factories, I think Detroit and I think Pittsburgh for whatever reason. Yeah. Big
1: metal cities.
0: Yes. Yeah, exactly. So that's what I think of. So what it it is kind of funny though, the, the idea that you draft a player from anywhere around the world and sometimes you luck out and you get, at least two players on that team that have that exact mentality that seems required to play for that team in that city.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Isaiah Stewart and Cade are like two a T in different ways, but they're both very, very perfect for the fabric of Detroit, I think. So That's exciting. Yeah. You know, I, I, I think you know, you, you gotta start somewhere. So That's you got funny. So <laughs> those two players.
0: You got those two players, you got DeAndre Swift on the Lions, yeah. who is the lone bright spot. The whole <laughs> I mean, you know. And uh, you know, you'll get the number one pick at this rate next yeah. year for the yeah, Lions. Well, so that's from the good. you know, yeah. He looks that that's something to be excited about. Yeah. As much I, as I, obviously I, it's easy to say now as you're having to go through a season where they're oh nine and one, I think, at this point. But uh, yeah. I think Dan Campbell he seems uh kind of unhinged but in a weirdly intriguing way yeah uh, he's like uh he's like but he's invested like ripped ted lasso <laughs> <Yeah>. uh. <laughs> he talked about wanting to own a lion an actual lion yeah yeah at one point <laughs> uh that you know we're gonna bite their kneecaps and then he went really far with that metaphor in a disconcerting way but it was also like he means it so it's really hard to begrudge him that so yeah, yeah yeah
1: he's very he's also another dude that's like very uh oh what am i sorry my siri just popped up He's he's like another guy that's very uh Detroit and like he was there for the Owen 16 team and like he really he like he gets choked up and and I remember he yeah. there's a video of him going to the practice field and he's like if we win here and that's the thing that I love it's like people always talk about New York and LA and you know uh, Chicago but it's like if you win in Detroit it's like you know uh, you, you, people name their kids after you you're you're on <laughs> yeah. murals like if there's I just think that there's something about Going to a city that's overlooked. And if you become a hero there, you're forever, you know? And I think Dan Campbell understands that. And so I'm excited to see what happens when he actually gets more talent on that team. um But yeah, I mean, Detroit sports forever. I
0: could talk about it for hours. <laughs> oh, I love it. It's very yeah. exciting just to hear that, honestly, just the passion about it. Because obviously, you know, that. The more fans there are for a team, the more they – sometimes they kind of cancel each other out. or Yeah. You know, it's it's more of just like this is what you do because you live here. But, you know, you, you really – I don't know. A team that goes through hardship, you really earn that passion.
1: Yeah. So, and my kids will be – you know, even if I have kids in L.A., it, the, I want them to be Detroit sports fans, you know. And if they want to be L.A. sports fans, fine. As long as they're not fans of Ohio State, I, that's fine. That's the only place that, <laughs> that crosses the line with me. Uh, but
0: <laughs> It is funny that it. we're talking right before – you know, the, oh, the week game that Ohio State and University of Michigan play each other.
1: Yeah. Oh gosh. I I'll. What uh, we'll talk soon again because uh, I have okay. some updates on that as well. Uh, I can't talk about it, but there's a, I'm working on a project kind of a, about that. And uh, really, okay, yeah, yeah. But I can't okay, talk too much about it now. But I'll Fair in enough. the future.
0: Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Well, that's so. a perfect time and way to wrap this up. Uh cool. What all. I know we talked about many of the things, but what all do you want to point people toward before we wrap it up?
1: This podcast, just stick around because the interviews are amazing. And I just, I love chatting with you. Um, Thank you. So this podcast, and then yeah, check out Rattus if you like it. I think it's super fun and silly. And if you want to check out my special, it's Thin Walls and Evening with My Neighbors on YouTube. Everything I do is for free at this point. So, you know, (laughs) (laughs) please enjoy it. And hopefully someone will pay me in the future. yeah yeah so well, dude thank you for doing this again this is great thanks for having uh, I mean,
0: me it was so fun it's always so yeah. easy
1: yeah i really i mean you're a great interviewer i really i just it's so cool thank and I, I love seeing when you put out all these these cool guests that you're getting and and i'm just like yeah man it's 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 really cool and inspiring to watch so congratulations on that and and thank you I can't wait to see what you get next
0: oh i really appreciate that um yeah thank you all for listening i don't know i ever had to transition into this as i go <laughs> to a serious mode but thank you all for listening please um You know, stay safe around the holidays, but be around the people you love and, you know, give thanks and enjoy the three big ones we have coming up. And uh, Mm -hmm. I say that, well, it's going to be after Thanksgiving. Well, enjoy the other two. But, uh, you know, take care get vaccinated or get boosted and, uh, you know, be kind to yourself, be kind to others. Thank you again. Bye.